You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 54. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and today I have another Nonprofit Boss Network episode for you. A lot has changed in the last few days. I'd be remiss if I just glossed right over that. A lot of us are working from home and social distancing, and frankly, a lot of us are freaking out about what's going to happen with our work. For many of you, it's your first time managing a remote team, and maybe that's great because you can hunker down and get some work done, but I think it also comes with its own challenges. It's different to manage people when you can't see them in person and really get that emotion from them. So what I am going to do is pull all the advice I can find on managing remote teams and put that together for you so that I can be a resource for you guys, but also know that I'm here to support you and to support the important work that you are doing in your community. So if you have questions or concerns, or honestly, if you just need to strategize through some of the, t- of the decisions that you're considering right now, I'm more than happy to chat with you. So please get in touch. I won't pretend to have all of the answers, but I can coach you through that decision-making process. Also, if you're not a part of it yet, definitely join our private Facebook group. This is a positive, safe space for us to get together and work through those questions and concerns you might have right now. So you can join that by heading to our homepage, thirdsuite.com, or simply search for Nonprofit Confidential in Facebook groups. So today's topic is on emotional intelligence, and I chose this topic for today because emotions are running high right now. A lot of us are anxious, and while we are so worried about our participants and the community we serve, we're also worried about our own family members and loved ones. At the same time, we're also being called upon to make really important decisions like, should we cancel our fundraising event? If we cancel it, how are we going to make that money back? Do we need to scale back our programs? Can I afford to keep all of my staff? These are really important decisions, and we want to make sure we're making the best choice given the options that are available to us. Also, as nonprofit bosses, our teams are looking to us for guidance. Many of us are feeling those same emotions that our team members are feeling. So how can we continue to lead and to be that person that our team members can lean on? And that conversation starts with emotional intelligence. So let's start with asking the question, what is emotional intelligence? We've often been brought up to think that emotions are irrational and that they are the reasons that our plans go awry. In our society, we really put a lot of emphasis on this so-called logic. But what's been interesting to see is that through the work of behavioral economists and psychologists, we've seen that even though we think humans are rational creatures— so many of our decisions are actually emotional ones. 
I'll even give you an example from this morning. I knew I probably should have made that spinach smoothie for breakfast, but I was hungry and frankly, I watched the news, so I was a little on edge. So I decided to go for a nice buttery slice of toast instead. Was that the most logical decision? No, it was completely based on emotion. And through psychology and behavioral economics, we've seen that most purchases are actually not logical either. They are based on our emotion. Even looking at our own work, getting donations from our donors is an emotional decision, not a logical one. Emotions are a really important part of who we are. They're an important part of our identity, and they're a core piece of the puzzle that explains how we relate to other people in our lives. In fact, emotions are the basic elements of social interactions. When we think about why we interact with people and how we interact with people, and even why we said what we said, it all comes down to how we felt at the time. So if I'm laughing and joyful, I'm going to be more friendly. But if I'm upset and anxious, I'm going to be more closed off. So then, what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence, at a very basic level, is just being aware of our own emotions and managing them, and then recognizing others' emotions, feeling empathy, and understanding what to do with their emotions. The overall idea is to use our emotions to make better decisions. It's embracing emotion, not trying to fight against it, and leveraging these feelings for optimal decision-making. Because again, we are not logical beings. We are emotional ones. And even at work, when we think we're being logical, we're actually using our intuition and our emotion to make decisions. Emotions are often very short and unconscious, but they do affect our judgment and whether we think we're being treated fairly, whether a business move is risky or not, and whether we trust someone to do what they say they will. Oftentimes, we make decisions based on our emotion, and then we rationalize and say it was based on some logical train of thought. How many of you have ever done that? Like you'll make a decision based on your feeling and then you'll backtrack and look for all of the evidence to support your decision. And then you'll think that you made the logical choice. I know for one, I have absolutely done that. I think the most important information to come out of all the research into emotional intelligence is that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to embrace emotion and you don't need to suppress your emotions just because you're in a work setting. But let's see how we can utilize emotion to optimize our work interactions, particularly when it comes to managing a team or navigating difficult situations. Now, let's get into what some of the advantages are to emotional intelligence as they relate to work. Well, to start with, research published in the Journal of Organizational Behavior indicates that people with higher emotional intelligence earn higher salaries. Why would that be? Well, emotional intelligence helps us navigate the more complicated parts of our jobs, the politics, the interpersonal stuff. If all we had to do was our jobs, we would all probably be fantastic at it, right? We'd be typing away at our computers, getting things done. But regardless of what your role is, you don't do it in isolation. 
You have to work with the team, so your technical skills will only get you so far. In 1995, Dan Goleman published the groundbreaking book, Emotional Intelligence. I'm sure so many of you have heard of it or have read it. The basic point of this book is that higher emotional intelligence correlates with positive outcomes such as reduced anxiety and stress, better communication, more satisfying relationships, more ability to overcome obstacles, and being better at facing conflicts. All of these skills are critical to success in the workplace. We want team members who can navigate conflicts with each other skillfully. And as leaders, we want to be the ones to help our teams navigate conflicts so that we can all get back to working together. We also want our team members not to give up when they face a challenge, especially in nonprofit work. We need to be creative and nimble and figure out solutions with few resources. There's research that indicates that creativity soars with emotional intelligence. Research also indicates that emotional intelligence makes us less vulnerable to our own biases, so things like confirmation bias. Emotional intelligence also helps us adapt to changing circumstances. That's something we all need right now as things are changing rapidly. The world as we know it is different from what it was just yesterday. So especially right now, we want to make sure that we as leaders are making the best decisions for our organizations as we face this uncertainty. And the thing is, a lot of us may be feeling anxious about the future of our organization. We're having to cancel fundraising events and cancel programs, turn participants away. I mean, these are really tough decisions that take an emotional toll on us. But how can we continue to make the best decisions and ensure that we are leading our teams and our organizations in the right direction? The first component of emotional intelligence has to do with understanding ourselves and our awareness of our own emotions. Emotions are defined by researchers as brief multi-component responses to challenges or opportunities that are important to an individual's goals, particularly social ones. First, I want to highlight this idea that it's a multi-component response. We often think of emotions as feelings, right? I feel upset or I feel happy, but there's so much more to it than just that. Some researchers indicate that there are three components to emotion. There's the physiological component, the mental experience, and then the expression of that emotion. So that means that with every emotion we experience, there's actually these three layers going on simultaneously. So for instance, let's say when you're angry, you might feel your heart rate quicken, your muscles tense up, there's that physiological response. The mental experience essentially is how we're interpreting the situation. It's the meaning we give to the experience the choices we consider, and the actions we consider. Finally, the expression component is how we convey emotion, our facial expression, the tone of our voice, our body language. Emotions are transient. They tend to last anywhere from about 4 to 60 seconds, and there is a wide variety of emotions. So right now, researchers 
think that there's 27 different human emotions, but it's possible that might change. So the first thing we want to do is identify our current emotion. But given that emotions are so short-lived, how can we know what we're feeling at any given time? Well, we can use those three components of emotion to hone in on choosing just one. So we can ask ourselves, what's going on in my body? Is my heart rate fast or normal? Do I have butterflies in my stomach? Do my muscles feel tense? Am I clenching my fists? And then we can ask, what's going on in my mind? What am I thinking at this moment that is giving rise to these physiological sensations? Finally, we can consider our facial expression and body language. So, is my body open and welcoming or tight and closed off? Am I smiling or frowning? Are my lips pursed or relaxed? From there, we can get a sense of where our current emotional state lies. It's really helpful to put a label on emotion. I know when I can identify the emotion and give it a label, for some reason, that in and of itself makes me feel better about that emotion, especially when it's a negative one. But sometimes it's easier and quicker to quickly chart this on a broad scale so maybe you're not trying to nail down the very specific emotion and perhaps all you need to know is, is this emotion good or bad? Is it giving me energy or draining my energy? And then kind of take it from there. So once you've identified the emotion and know whether the emotion is serving you or not, you can then use that information to make decisions and take action. For instance, if you're experiencing a really energizing emotion that is serving you, you can then start to think about how can you keep this feeling going? What thoughts are going through your mind at the moment that are causing you to feel this positive emotion? On the other hand, if you know you're feeling a negative emotion that isn't serving you, what can you do to change your emotional state to one that does serve you or at the very least is neutral? So let's go back to those three components of emotion. Physiologically, you can take a deep breath, activate your vagus nerve, which will help you calm down. You can think a different thought, examine your thought process as you're feeling a negative emotion, and then start to think, which of these thoughts are causing that emotion? And can you choose a different thought? Finally, your expression. How can you change your facial expression and your posture to change out of your negative emotion? So if you're feeling negative, you might be really tense. So maybe shake out your muscles, jump around. And if you're frowning, get yourself to smile. Even if it's fake, your body will kind of get tricked out of that negative emotion. So these are just a couple of ways that you can use those three components of emotion to try to manage how you're feeling. It's not enough to simply be aware of what your emotions are if you can't manage them or use them in a way to serve you. Now, here's the thing. Emotions serve a purpose. So even if you're feeling a negative emotion like anger, if you feel as if somebody wronged you, it's perfectly acceptable to feel anger. Or if somebody you hold dear passes away, the appropriate emotion is to be sad. You don't want to be giggling and joyful at a funeral, right? Emotions are part of being human and part of social interactions. 
In fact, research shows that suppressing emotion actually makes leaders less trusted and less liked by the people they're leading. I think deep down, a part of us knows that they aren't being honest, and so we automatically put our guards up. It's also just exhausting to try to put on an emotion that isn't in line with how you really feel. Have you ever had just a really tough day at work and you have a lot of mental angst and then you have to go out for a networking event? You're trying to be cheerful and act like everything is great and you can do it for a while, but once you get home, you're just exhausted. Suppressing our emotions is really hard work. Another thing you can do if you feel like you can't necessarily control the emotion itself is that sometimes you can control your situation. It's much better to manage your emotions because we don't always have control over the situations we find ourselves in. But that being said, when we can control the situation, we can make sure that we are in the best emotional state for the task at hand. For instance, If you know that whenever you get off the phone with your board president, that you feel anxious and wound up, scheduling another important meeting right after that phone call may not be the best idea. Instead, perhaps you can schedule an hour in between your phone call with the board president and your important meeting so that you have time to decompress and get into an emotional state that's best for your next meeting. Remember, emotions are short-lived, they're transient. So if you give yourself time, it's absolutely possible to get into an emotion that will serve you in your work. It takes self-awareness to first recognize that your feelings of anxiety are correlated with the phone call with your board president, and it takes using emotional intelligence tools to manage your emotion so that you can get back into a more positive state. Now, when it comes to managing your team, with the self-awareness to identify your own emotions, you can not only empathize with your team, but you can also be a calming presence for your team in times of uncertainty. By being self-aware and relating to your own emotions in a productive way, you'll be that leader that your team feels they can trust even in this uncertainty. And that is a really, really important thing right now. So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about how we can recognize emotions that others may be feeling. We use all sorts of cues to judge emotion, facial expression, tone of voice, gestures, body language. And when we think of emotional intelligence, it's the ability to astutely observe those cues and understand what they mean. So the face alone has over 40 muscles that contribute to facial expression, So it's a really important part of emotion. In fact, over half the time, we use facial expression alone to determine emotion in others. So when you're in the workplace and meeting with your team, the best thing you can do is just from time to time, take a moment to think about the expression on the faces of your team members. Do they look worried? Do they look happy? And as the leader... What you want to do is to be aware of your own facial expressions and think about how that is leading the interaction and then look at the facial expressions of those around you and your team members. Are you frowning so now they're frowning? Can you change your own expression to lead to a more uplifting emotion in the room? Right now, I know a lot of us are working remotely, 
But the great thing is that we don't only need to rely on facial expression. In fact, between 50 and 70% of emotion can be detected through voice. That comes through the tone of voice, the rhythm of your voice, and even how fast or slow you speak. You've probably experienced this when you're on a phone call and you can tell someone is smiling when they're talking to you, even though you can't see it. So we can judge a lot of emotion just from vocal cues alone. So again, as you're chatting with your team from time to time, take a moment to notice the cues that are coming through their voices. Are they speaking rapidly or slowly? Do they sound anxious? Are they ending each sentence with an uptick? Or do they sound confident and they're ending their sentences with a lower tone? These can all give you cues for how to relate to their emotions. If somebody sounds anxious, you can pick up on that and then change your tone and what you're saying to try to empathize with them. If you're handling conflict, you might want to change your tone to sound more sympathetic. Or if you're providing feedback to your team, you might want to use your voice to indicate interest. So, you know, little sounds like, hmm. I think the bulk of this work really lies first in the self-awareness piece. And once we're mindful of our own emotions, we can start to look outside of ourselves and relate to others' emotions in a more productive way as well. This is particularly important as a boss because others are looking to you for guidance and they're looking to you to set the tone. So if you can be mindful of how you communicate you can create really positive and uplifting interactions amongst your team. There are so many great resources that you can find on emotional intelligence, but what I'll do is I'll go ahead and link to that book, Emotional Intelligence, because I think that's the best place to start if you haven't read that already. So you can find all of this information and the link to emotional intelligence by heading over to thirdsuite.com forward slash 54. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this and to hear what tips you might have for working on your own emotional intelligence. It's absolutely a skill that you can develop. It's not something you're born with, so your insight is definitely valuable. If you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group and drop your questions or suggestions as a comment for the group. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you stay safe and healthy, and I will talk to you soon. 